Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Another great week for It's The Real. Woo! Another great ad from our friends over at Dollar Shave Club. Now, if people don't know what Dollar Shave Club is, mm-hmm. and there are probably a couple people out there who do not know what Dollar Shave Club is. You're going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. Go ahead. It is a monthly subscription service where they will give you, for a small fee every month, mm-hmm. all of your shaving needs in a box like, to your door. Like what? Like the razor. Yeah. Like the blades. Yeah. Like some... Shaving cream, like the aftershave, right? All that? All of that. Here's the thing, Jeff. If people have been listening the past couple weeks, they've heard you talk about you started off with an electric shaver. You've transitioned into shaving like the rest of us do with a real executive blade that they sent you. And how's it been going? Good. Like Like, very no cuts. Like very good, right? Very no cuts. Now, here's the thing. I've listened to you each week. Mm. I've, I've heard you testify to the amazing nature of these things and so this week i happened to run out of shaving cream on my own right Uh uh uh-huh and i use what is what's it called dr carver's shave butter yeah okay now here's the thing dr carver's shave butter obviously you know you take these things with a grain of salt and maybe even i did and then i used that shave butter Mm -hmm. i swear to god it was the best shave I've ever had in my life. It it felt like that spray that people would spray just to take like hair off their arms. Or it off. feels like Nair. It it felt like what I what I imagined Nair to be. This is the best shave I've ever had in my life, and I promise you, this is true. Here's your chance to see why over three million members like us, Eric and me, Jeff, love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get your first month of the club for free. What? Just pay shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. No long-term commitment. No hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash waste. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash waste. W-A-S-T-E. Yeah. Jeff, what did we not do this week? We did not do what we said that we were going to do. What was that? We were going to put out the video for our new single, Dave Matthews Bands. Okay, so we shot this video, we went to the trouble of getting a crew and a big director and a big set and a lot of, like, toys on set, and we made sure that the video was going to be ready to drop, and then what we do? We did not put it out. We did not put it out, okay. Right. But instead of doing that, what if we told the people right now, gave them a little tease, to pull over, pull over. New York City, tri-state area, kids in Ireland who were doing drugs off the picture of the Pope last week, David Cho, if you pulled over, lower your windows. Because what we're going to drop is going to blow those windows apart. (laughs) New It's The Real. Dave Matthews Bands. Yeah. Let's get into it. Disrespectful money. Paper keep cutting my hands. Counting white faces. I got Dave Matthews Bands. Bands and make a dance and dance. Disrespectful money, paper keep cutting my hands 
faces I got Dave Matthews bands Bands that make a dance in Nancy Dave Matthews bands Bands that make a dance in Nancy Dave Matthews bands Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up What's that? They say gunshot means forward And liquid means rewind What's that? You requested, so we rewind New It's The Real Exclusive Dave Matthews bands God, oh my God! Damn, son, where'd you find this shit? SoundCloud.com slash it's the real Jeff. Can we do it one more time? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Disrespectful money, paper keep cutting my hands. Counting white faces, I got the Matthews bands. All over carpeting In a black cardigan I'm out of the red Booking info in the bio Just to get out of bed Got a slander in Miranda I'm tired of seeing Hamilton Alright, that is enough <laughs> That's enough Are people still listening? Song is called Dave Matthews Bands Yeah Check it out in full Whenever we put it up At soundcloud.com Slash it's the real Check that video out Directed by Ian Rexara Wolfson that, Hype Williams. That, that music, Dave Myers. That music, remember, is produced by Greg Mayo. Jeff, now that we got people's attention, yeah. who do we have on the podcast today? Today we have Wayno Clark. Wayno Clark is the manager of Dave East and partner in Triangle Offense, which is the new label over at Def Jam. Yeah. They, shout uh, out to them. Shout out to them. Shout out to Wayno. We were the first ones to to talk about it. We were the first ones to be about it. <laughs> Wayno talks about a lot of stuff. I love this episode. As I've been saying, it's equal parts inspiration and amazing Rockefeller stories. This is one of my favorite episodes. Jeff, when should we get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Hannibal Lecter, a.k.a. Always Strapped. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Pull Up on a Kid, a.k.a. No Way to a Cardigan. <laughs> yeah. Yo, it's Wayno, and I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a waste of time, but it's the real. <laughs> Wayno, what's happening? What's going on, man? Everything is good. Thank you for showing up. Oh, man. Thank you. I'm on time, too. Yeah, on, on time. time. On Crazy. time. That's what people know that about me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they know two things about you. One, mm-hmm. you show up on time. Right. And two... That you got Dave East under your wing. Right. <laughs> what the people should know, by the way, before we get into all that, yeah. is that this is, you know, being videotaped for fullscreen.com. From our home. From our home. Yeah, you can actually go to fullscreen.com, 
slash it's the real yes find all of our episodes there for your viewing pleasure you can see inside of our apartment you can now see all of our cereal boxes that's and right. mac and cheese boxes <laughs> right behind wayno actually the most important thing is that you can see what's on wayno's head right now which is a limited edition limited edition gray rockefeller hat oh, i'm sorry rock nation hat yeah i'm wearing a french montana limited edition <laughs> dad hat and he's got his monkey julius next yes. to him so i feel like <laughs> right, right, right. my We're hat game yeah <laughs> he's got elite hit elite curl that's yeah. yo curl god curl god right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we got our business out of the way. Yes. Now we're breaking news here. I know it's going to be broken elsewhere, but on this podcast, so we we're, were excited news. Yeah, because we have known <laughs> this for a while. Uh, even even before Dave showed up on the podcast, you have some business to announce. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean we're we we've done a partnership. With, you know, with Def Jam. You know, what I mean, a joint venture where we have our own situation over there. You know, what I mean, like how the the old structured deals used to be, where you're able to build a real foundation. You know what I mean? With Def Jam, so... I mean, that, well, that's that. I think that's pretty cool. Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! Man, thank you. Secondly, people should know this is very rare. Yes, this is not the case like for everybody, nah, and certainly not nah. in 2016. Nah, not at all, man. So when does he start going on tour with DMX and Ja Rule? <laughs> <laughs> so as we can put it together, <laughs> so we can put it together. So you know I mean? how did you? Okay, uh, everyone knows uh, the affiliation with Nas and mm -hmm. Mass Appeal. How do you transition that into a partnership over at Def Jam? Well, I mean, for us, the, the biggest thing was like, you know, we, we always want to take things to another level, right? So we were just trying to, trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going to be the next move for us. Because if you look at Dave's career, it's been kind of predicated on like catalog and the moves. You know what I mean? It's like... You get the music, and then you see this thing we've done, and they're like, yo, you just did that, or you just did this. So it was like, we had a lot of different labels coming to us, you know what I mean? We felt like Def Jam was a, a really good fit because, you know, tradition, you know what I mean? Like like that logo, that brand means a lot. And, you know what I mean, they, they had a lot of good opportunities for us, you know what I mean? Not just him being an artist, us doing a partnership, a joint venture. They gave us an opportunity to build something with them for years to come, you know what I mean? So that that was what, every, what they were talking about as opposed to everybody else. In terms of like branding or in terms of like, what do you mean for years to come? Um, I mean, with us having a joint venture, it's like, you know, it's triangle offense. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. me and Dave, you know, we're partners in the label with triangle offense. So it's like now we're going to be able to build that out. You know what I mean? And, and to, for me, labels aren't what they used to be as far as. What? As <laughs> just far as the crew. You know what I mean? It used to be like just a crew. Like we're thinking TV. We're thinking, you know what I mean? Tech. We're thinking all these different things where we can implement our company into Def Jam system and just build these things with them. And you know I mean? did you find that Def Jam understood what you had to say more than any other label? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, shout out to you know, my man Steve-O, my mm -hmm. man Bartles, mm -hmm. all of them over there. Like, for, for, for them, they They basically said, like, all right, we see what y'all guys are doing. We want to just know how we could take it up with y'all. You know what I mean? Like, how we could help, how we all can go to another level. So for us, it was like, it was easy for us. We, we, <laughs> we had all these as dreams, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, a reality because they presented us with... with some some good things on paper and good conversations in good faith. You know what I mean? I think too it helps that you have a long history in this business right. and you know what to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. Be because absolutely. Th there are people who do get screwed in these Oh yeah, I mean, you know, this in the music industry it's crazy. <laughs> right, you I never feel think like that, that. Yeah, now we're breaking more news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like with that being said, it was just like it's been a learning process for me. You know what I mean over the years it's like I used to deliver mail to Def Jam. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like just building out that story along with Dave's story, we we both have stories of um, 
humble beginnings and, and, and a lot of grind, you know what I mean? And, and all of these things we've done over the years have got us to these moments. So it was like a lot of that played into it as well. Um, it's all about what you do with your opportunity, you know what I mean? And and how your team is structured from your lawyer to your business accountant to your A&R. To your mailman. To your mailman, <laughs> your assistant, yeah, everybody. Yeah. So like for us, it was just like, yo, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? We told them what we would like to do. They told us what they wanted to do. And now, you know, we're trying to see what we're going to do for years to come. It just sort of in general, mm-hmm. how long did this process take for you, for you guys going to a label and getting it done? Oh, man, it took us. <laughs> <laughs> it took some time, man, because these things have to be thought through thoroughly. You know what I mean? Um, A lot of people, you know, in this culture, they think that. It just depends on how much money they got for you. Like, man, whatever they got, if it's more than them, then we're taking it. It's, right. it's not really based on that. For us, it was like, does this make sense? You know what I mean? Is, is this something that fits Dave's branding? You know, uh, is this something that we can look back a year or two years from now? Like, yo, what did we do or did we do the right thing? So all of these things came, came into place. You know what I mean? Like like I said, we had every label. Every single label was on us. Yeah. Um, but because they knew that we were um, coming to not an end, you know what I mean. Like we're still partnered up with Mass Appeal, you know what I mean. They're gonna help us do a lot of awesome things. But they knew that you know there was a way in. So everybody's coming at us from every angle, and we was, we just had to make the decision best for us. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. How does Mass Appeal fit in? Like, so uh, are you guys? Is that like the incubator label, and then you guys go through Def Jam for bigger things or what? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing with Mass Appeal is like they offer a lot of different things. Um, and uh, Ad, like Mass Appeal and Decon are one of the same. You know, Decon mm-hmm. is a really big advertising agency. You know, man, shout out to my man Peter Bentenbender. Mm-hmm. He runs that as well as Mass Appeal. So it's a lot of different opportunities with sponsorships and you know things of that nature. So it's like for for us, we like yo, if we could keep them. Plus, that's Nas. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, right. that's Nas's thing, and he's been tremendous to us. You know what I mean? Like Nas has been nothing but but great to us as a um a partner and as a friend. You know what I mean? Like we've really grown a relationship with him over these past couple years. And you get discounts at Sweet Chick. His, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which really <laughs> is the chick. most important thing. And <laughs> yeah. on history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, you know, what what made sense for everybody collectively? It right. wasn't a, a, a um a decision that was just on our behalf. You know what I mean? We we weighed in everybody else too because you know mass appeal like they helped us out early on they believed in us and was like yo how can we all do this together that's pretty great mm-hmm. did they have a say in terms of what labels like they were interested in as well like because i mean not not really i mean somewhat but I, I can't say that specifically they just was like yo whatever decision y'all want to make mm-hmm. we're going to support y'all and the way they've supported us thus far was like that's fair yeah you know mm-hmm. i mean that's really fair yeah how was it keeping this out of the news uh, like off man, everyone's radar because uh, not only is this something where like oh someone can spot you coming out of the building or, right, right, right. or people it's just everyone likes to talk and by the way when people get deals done you want to talk about it but yeah well, i mean like you told us and like we told everybody <laughs> and we were just like yo you guys can't tell anybody but, no, but, man, but even for us like yeah. when we in between when we when we sold our tv show we had to sit on that news and not tell anyone because yeah. there were a lot of things that could have happened and right right and people think then that because you're not saying anything, that right. nothing's happening. No, I mean, it, here's the thing, man. It's like, I got patience. Like, yo, it's, it's taking us, me, personally, this is the first year. I've been in music since I was 18. I'm 33. Right. You know what I mean? So this is the first year in my career where I've done things that I can actually see. It's like, yo, this really worked. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It took me a long time. So I was like, yo, all right, if I got to be quiet for a couple months, <laughs> it's not a problem. You know what I mean? Even Dave, like, Dave understands that. You know what I mean? Um, it was tough because we live in a in a um, an era of assumption. 
right? Mm-hmm. So when I took the picture, I went up to see uh, Jay Jay Z and, and Lenny S one day, you know, just to holler at them, see how they was doing. Everybody was like, "Oh, Davies is going to Rock Nation," like you know what I mean? It's like, why would yeah, they I mean, think that? Yeah, why would they think that? Right? It's like, but of course, everybody knows my affiliation with those guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're my family. I always say it would be no triangle offense without Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. So you know, they were just supportive of everything that they was I would, we were doing, and they were like, "Yo, you know." This door is open ended. If you ever need help with anything, you know what I mean. It's not necessarily what they can make off of us and what we can make off of them. They just like yo. If you need the knowledge, yeah. you know what I mean. If you need access to certain things, that's what Jay and Lenny had just opened up to me about. So, um, you know, every every time we took a picture with somebody, it's like, oh, they signing with them or they right. with them. And even still, still to this day, like I listen to people that don't. It's a lot of people that don't know I'm Dave East's manager. You know what I mean? So they be like, yeah, you know, he just did this deal and it's like this amount of money and then I'm like, oh, word, for real? Like, I, I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was pretty tough, but I think we held through. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. So Thank let's you. go back to the very beginning. Right. You're from the Bronx, right? Well, I was born in the Bronx. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was born in the Bronx. I, I can say I am from the Bronx, you know what I mean? <laughs> in, in some sort of capacity. I was born in the Bronx. Um, I lived there since I was about 10. Moved to Maryland for a year mm-hmm. and then moved back to the Bronx and then moved to Harlem. Okay. You know what I mean? But for all intents and purposes, you're a Harlem guy. I'm a Harlem guy. So I'm you get guy. back in middle school years? Uh, to, the, to, 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 to the Bronx? Well, yeah, when you moved back to New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I moved back to New York. I, I went there for the seventh grade. I gotcha. went to Maryland for the seventh grade and I moved back for the eighth grade. And then by ninth grade, I moved to Harlem. So what do you have any idea what you want to do in your life? In middle school, going into high school. Hell no, nah. <laughs> hell no. I so went, you were a ninth grader, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yo, exactly. I mean, for me, I wanted to be a basketball player. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Because I mean, the first time I ever played like uh, organized basketball was when I moved to Maryland. Mm-hmm. So you know. Um, I had a chip on my shoulder because I was a city guy. I moved yeah. to Maryland. They made fun of the way I talked, everything. So I was like, yo, I want to be a ball player. Like, What's one word that like you said that they just like did not get? Were you saying like John Sneakers. Blaze? Sneakers. 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 What they, they say like? tennis. In Maryland, yeah, they say tennis. Like, Yo, Maryland's whack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to call y'all whack, but you know I mean? it was kind of crazy. It's like they made fun of everything. I mean, it would be the same thing for a kid moving from Maryland up to New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't yeah. understand the culture. We don't understand how they're brought up. So it was like, it was a, it was different for me. Like, I was a city kid. I couldn't just walk to the corner and go to the store. Yeah. I actually got in trouble for trying to walk down the highway to go to like a 7-Eleven. But I'm just thinking it's a store. I was able to go to the store from the time I was five years old until right. I moved. You know, so it, it was really different for me, but I had no idea what I wanted to do at that time. I did want to play ball, but I didn't have, I didn't even understand what the word career meant until I was about 25 years old. Whoa. Honestly. Man. So, uh, and and who is in your family that's going back and forth, you know, from the Bronx down to Maryland to Bronx and then to Brooklyn with you? Um, My, my mom. Or not to Brooklyn, to Harlem, sorry. Well, my mom, Uh, it was my mom. My, my mom had my little sister around that time. So my mom and my little sister's father were together and uh, my grandmother. You know, my grandmother, uh, she had moved out there with us. Mm-hmm. So when we came back, uh, we actually came back and we had to go into a shelter system. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was really tough for me because, yeah. like, I just didn't know anything about the shelter system. I didn't know how it was to help. I just thought we were homeless. I mean, it, we were, in fact, homeless to a certain extent. But um, it was it was pretty tough for me. So we, we went through that and we came back to the Bronx. And my mom, like, her, she was like, Yo, the first opportunity we get to get out of this we're moving, and the first place we got to look at was in Harlem. You know what I mean? And what'd you know about Harlem? 
Well, I, I kind of knew somewhat about Harlem because my grandfather was from Harlem. So I was going to Harlem as a kid, but I didn't. I, I wasn't really crazy about it. Like I had uncles that lived in Harlem, and I had uh, my grandfather. So I used to spend like some of my summers out there and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't really like it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was like the Bronx was everything to me when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but now yeah. like they've got an Applebee's there. Right. Like. <laughs> Y'all at Applebee's? Are they paying for the cameras? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I wish. <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. Right, right, right. Did you grow up a, a big Yankees fan? No, nah, man. I mean, well, I can say somewhat. I really didn't know much about baseball. I mean, I did collect baseball cards as a kid, mm-hmm. but that's just was something to do. There right. was only a quarter, and it came with a stick of bubble gum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I collect baseball cards, but I really wasn't into baseball because nobody played baseball around where I lived. I mean, even where I lived that nobody really played basketball like that. You know what I mean? I grew up in a in a neighborhood where it was nothing but Jamaicans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just, would, they play soccer and just chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Other than that, they didn't really do much. So I started playing ball. Like I kind of started playing ball going to Harlem, you know, um, to see my grandfather because yeah. my uncles, they play ball and that's all everybody does in Harlem is play ball. Right. Play basketball is what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I didn't really think anything much of baseball. I started to like it a little bit later on, around like 10 or 11, my father started taking me to games. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, I feel like the Bronx is so, it's, it is part of New York, mm-hmm. but it, it feels so separate. Like even yeah. to go to a Yankee game feels like, so like to grow up there, yeah. which we didn't, like we grew up like around Yankees fans. We were up, you know, in Westchester. Yeah. But like, you know, you you would think that that would be everything for you guys, like Yankee hats, Yankee yeah. pride, like fuck the Mets, like now, whatever. Yo, I mean, when I was a little kid, you know what was crazy? The Bulls were the shit oh, at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. So it was like everybody was a Chicago Bulls fan. Thus, you know triangle mean? So, offense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't even care about baseball when I was a little kid at all. What really made me started to like baseball was Ken Griffey Jr. because of his sneakers. Yeah, what? <laughs> you know I mean, you mean his tennis? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah his yeah, tennis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But that's what really made me start to like baseball. My pops took me to um, Milwaukee Brewers, right? Mm-hmm. The Brewers versus the Yankees, and I had never been to a baseball game. And that's when I kind of started to like baseball. Mm-hmm. It was like insane because they give you the free socks. People are throwing the socks on the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a, a, it was a crazy experience. So I started like baseball a little bit then. But basketball is my heart. Mm-hmm. And did you play basketball in school then? Um, I I played for a team. I never played for the school team. I played mm-hmm. for like like leagues outside of the school. You know, your parents pay for you to be in them. I played in stuff like that, but I, I never really got good enough to play for a school team. You know, what right. I mean, I was all right. And you are you're about how tall? Six feet. And in high school, did you have like a spurt at some point where you like grew to six feet? Yeah. Well, like, man, I I was really short until I got to the ninth grade, and then I grew to six feet. Around like when I was like 15, and then I never got taller ever ever again. Like you know what I mean. So I, I had a little growth spurt, but I I don't think I took care of my body probably. Like sometimes I sit back, I'm like, man, I should have stretched more. Oh, you know what I mean? Like by the way, that's not what that's not like how I worked. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff hung upside down. Like, uh, like yeah, 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 please. And Jeff just, took a lot of naps, and that was about it. Right, man. But yeah, I'm. I so didn't you really. Were, you were convinced that you were gonna be. In the league or yeah or no I really yo listen in my my heart I really was like yo I'm going you know what made showed me I wasn't going to the league when I moved to Harlem right yeah my <laughs> little man Jamie Jamie his name is Jamie Harris he played D one against John Wall he actually played against Dave growing up and in college as Crazy. well he was when I was around like fourteen he Jamie might be like 
like six or seven years younger than me, mm-hmm. and he was like eight or nine, and he used to be able to run with us when I was sixteen. Yeah, you know what I mean, and score everything. So I'm like, yeah, this kid is nine. Like, I'm not going. Like, this is not gonna happen. So, I would feel terrible playing as a nine year old, by the way. Oh, yo, no, he was, but he was really nice. Like, yo, it was. No, crazy. I know, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, you see this person who's yeah, yeah, tall, just being like. But just the crazy thing you. was, you would just think that he was really short for his age. Like, that's how good he was. He right. was nine, but he could score forty. Like, seriously, like he was nine, but it, like he would play against like other nine year olds and score 40 50 points like it's nothing and be play with us and score a good 10 or 12 Man. so it's like imagine how he was making me look crazy right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i made jamie fall though if anybody i crossed jamie one time and made him fall you could ask him. just he for the record nine yeah, the years record. old yeah. 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 Nine, <laughs> this is not something to but i had about. some handles with it you know what i mean <laughs> you played like, a part in his career like, absolutely yeah. he couldn't add up part. all the points like <laughs> <laughs> right right so wait you were a bulls fan growing up at that yeah, point yeah i was a bulls fan that's that's, that's hard disgusting. to believe yeah not really i mean this like this is a Knicks town this is a Knicks town the Nets weren't even close to moving to Brooklyn. This was like, yeah. And we're talking, we're talking, Patrick Ewing. yeah, Patrick Ewing yeah. and like Pat Riley and yeah. defense and Anthony Mason. And but you guys had Horace Grant, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, Stacey King, I think at the time. Yeah. But I mean, you know what it is? It's like that all falls into marketing. It's like what's pushed in the forefront. I'm a young black kid growing up where Spike Lee movies is about race and everything and all they keep showing me is Jordan jumping through the air. I want to be like Mike. Well, what team does he play for? I like that team. Right. You know what I mean? It's like like kids now. It's like all they see is Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. So they push that or KD and it's, they've never been to Oklahoma a day in their life but right. these kids will they live and die by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, Golden State Warriors right, now. Right, yeah. right, but right, at the right. time, you know what I mean? Like my son, my son is a big KD fan because because of how his play but he likes OKC now because of KD even though KD left. This is a, you know, a globalized economy. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's crazy. Not it's localized crazy. anymore. At all, man. So, at all. so when it came to like those Bulls Knicks playoff series, mm-hmm. you didn't have any sympathy for New York. You were No, you know what's crazy? <laughs> Yo, like I started to notice this as I got a bit older, right? I always wanted to see the Knicks win, yeah. just not against the Bulls or <laughs> against the Lakers. Because, I mean, what I noticed later on, and, you know, this always a play on why I named my company my company. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I was a big Bulls fan, and I started to become a Lakers fan. And I noticed I was a Phil Jackson fan more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So because, then. Right, right, yeah. right. So I, I just noticed. I'm like, yo, I really like Phil. Yeah. I mean, I love Mike. I love Kobe. But I love the tutelage that they're under where he's the one that's guiding these guys. You know what I mean? That's why I... I implemented that into music and what I was doing. And that is why you were a New York Knicks fan now. <laughs> uh, nah, I want to see them win. I want to see them win, but I'm a Laker fan, man. I'm a Laker fan, but I, I love to see the, the uh, Knicks win. Like, uh, New York town, any town, winning a championship just brings more momentum to the city. Yep. It brings more money. It brings more attention. Who doesn't want that? So, yeah, I want to see the Knicks win. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're going to get past... Uh, LeBron in them, but right. hey, we'll see. Does your son want to see the Knicks win? Man, he wants to see uh, Russell Westbrook win. Like, right. Yeah, he wants to see. He loves Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Mind you, he, he worked as a ball boy at Carmelo Anthony's event. Oh, dope. And and it's cool with Carmelo's son, but he wants to see Russell Westbrook do his <laughs> thing more than anything. I'm not mm-hmm. co-signing the sale. Right. <laughs> Sorry right, to like right, dash right. your kids' dreams. Yeah, but, it's know, all whatever. good. <laughs> yeah, right. So all right, so going through high school. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea, like, is college next? Do you want to, mm-hmm. like, work in a specific industry? Like, what was your mindset as you got close to graduation? Well, high school was kind of, high school was really rough for me because, um, you know, I really, I'm, I'm a creative. You know what I mean? I've always been a creative. I used to draw when I was a kid. 
Um, Are you left-handed, by the way? No, I'm right-handed. Okay, gotcha. Um, but but like certain things, I'm ambidextrous. Certain things I could do on my right, like I write with my right, but there's certain things I do on my left I can't do on my yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So like you um, can cross over a nine-year-old like with my left. Yeah, seriously, I cross from my left to my right. Yeah. I can't cross right to left. Yeah, yeah. but um, you're like Zoolander. <laughs> right, yeah. can't spin left. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's crazy. Yo, Zoolander, that's tears. But um, like in in uh, high school, it was pretty rough for me. Like in the, in the '90s in in New York, you know, that's when gangs hit New York pretty heavy. You know, I, I dibbled and dabbled in some of that stuff. Well, I shouldn't have, but I I didn't know who I was, and I felt like you know, um, for those five years, I was telling you about like fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh, eighth, and ninth. I lived in a different place and went to a different school because I graduated from fifth to sixth, sixth to seventh. I, I went. I was in the Bronx from sixth. Seventh, I moved to Maryland. Eighth, I moved back to um, New York. Ninth, I moved to Harlem from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So it was like I didn't really have any stability. I had friends, but I never really had like a foundation. So I dabbled and dabbled in the wrong things. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I saw uh, Juice when I was really young, and that, I wanted to be a DJ because of Q and Juice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I knew that I had some type of liking in music. Um, I always loved music. I used to try to rap when I was a kid. You what know was what your mean? name? Uh, I never had a rap oh, name. Right, right, I never right. had a rap name because I was never confident enough to, to to really put it out there. Like I just would write stuff and I would tell my friends, "Yo, I wrote this," and they'd be like, "Yo, you dope. You should do this. You should do that." And then when we have like little ciphers, I'd be the only person like, "Nah, I'm not gonna say uh. what I wrote," because I just was scared. I, I didn't have that confidence instilled in me. So at that time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Who? So your mom had to act as. Really, your mom and your dad, right? Not like, really. You know? I like I'm. My dad was around this whole time. It's okay. just like my dad is a street dude, and he was doing what he was doing, and he didn't have time to focus on me as a, as a son. I mean, I can't specifically say that. You know, that's more of a question for him. Mm-hmm. But you know, he was doing what he had to do for himself at the time, and he's mm-hmm. a man. He did take care of me. He did help my mom out with certain things. But I didn't have him. Like I didn't wake up and see my dad every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like my mom was the person that facilitated everything for me and my sister. And my grandmoms, you know what I mean? Like she really took care of us. You know what I mean? So, so but with no sort you're the you're the oldest child. Yeah, like, from my from my mom, from my dad, I'm number six out of eight. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So did you look to your older siblings as to like I didn't where know to them. go? I oh. still to this day, it's a few of them I don't know. You really? know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't know a lot of them. You know, my my dad had a lot of kids by a lot of different women. So mm. I didn't they didn't they just never had relationships. So right. me and my dad had a relationship, but I I never knew any of my brothers. I know like a few of them. Yeah. But the younger ones, like my older ones, I just never knew them. Wow. Like I know one of my older siblings, but that's as much as it stops. Like wow. you know what I mean? so, I didn't really know any of them. So okay, so after high school mm-hmm. uh you're in the streets, sort of. Or you're getting out of the well, streets, I guess? No, nah, I mean I never graduated from high school. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, 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 here's the thing, like I wasn't when when pe- people have this idea of like being in the streets as like you're this dude making all these moves. I was a follower. You know right. what I mean? Like like I joined the gang because at the time I didn't have enough, you know, in me to stand on my own. You know what I mean? I was I was scared. Like I'm I moved to Harlem. It was a gang that was really vicious. I was like I'm going to get down with them because right. I don't want the shit that they doing to people that happen to me. Right. You know what I mean? I can say that as a man now, but at that time, like, I just was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do. And what I noticed was, like, once I got into those situations, all the guys that was in the gang, they really liked me for me. They didn't like me because I was some tough guy or nothing like that. They just liked me because I was cool. Mm-hmm. So I had to really, like, sit back and look at that, like, yo, why am I even indulging myself into these type of situations where I don't have to be? I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. I dropped out of school. And my mom, like, she just was like, yo, you're either going to work. And she's like, you're either going to like work or, or, or do something like you can't just live in my home and do absolutely nothing. Right. So, you know, she just put me in a position where I and excuse me for jumping all over. Oh, the no, place, no, no, no. But, you know, she 
my mom was a job developer. So she taught me how to conduct myself on an interview. She taught me how to, you know, speak to people and, and do things. So I had summer jobs from the time I was 14 on up. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I was around 17 is when I was able to go get a, an actual job. You know what I mean? So she set up a job for me to get. And that was the job that I got where I got into the mill. So did you feel like, like the... Uh, I don't know, eight eight o'clock to like two thirty day, mm -hmm. going to classes, like being around like people your age just wasn't yeah. for you. You had gone through as much as you needed to do, and yeah. you were like, "I'm good." Nah, you, you know what it is. I, still to this day, I, I don't know what it was. I, I think um, it had a lot to do with the school I was in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the school. My mom took me out of one bad school, and she thought she was putting me in a better school, but it was actually worse than the school she took me out of. <laughs> so um. I think, you know, kids always do what they're around. Just people in general. Right. You know what I mean? Like, dudes that play basketball, they usually hang with other ball players. If not, the person that doesn't play ball is probably somebody that's trying to coach or be in that field somewhat, some way. Uh, however, then you got rappers, you know? They hang with other rappers or they hang with people who do beats. They hang with people that do things that are, that are conducive to what they do. Right. For me, I had, like, one... I had a few friends, you know, through the gang stuff and just being around, but I had one best friend, and he was, like, my polar opposite. He wasn't in the gangs. Like, he went to class. Like, we were actually in the same class, and I failed, and he, you know, he excelled, and... um you failed so he could excel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hove did that, so hopefully yeah, yeah. he wouldn't have to go through that. You know what I mean? It was kind of one of those situations, but, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I was kind of lost, man. Like, I, I didn't... Those days, I, I started cutting. Like, I never cut a class in my life till I got to high school. Mm -hmm. So, I think high school just gave me too much freedom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when I was in the eighth grade, you had to, you were on one floor. You know what I mean? You had homeroom with mm -hmm. your homeroom teacher, but then they knew you went to this room, that room, that room, the other. In high school, you're basically given the responsibility to do as you please. Right. And, I mean, it's nothing wrong with that if a kid is mentally, you know, competent and ready for that. I don't think I was. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, honestly, I might have, should have been left back a year so I could learn a bit more about how serious school was because nothing was serious to me. Mm -hmm. But you don't think that if you had been left back a year, that would have also just, like, um, discouraged you from trying? Like, you would have been like, well, now I'm... It may have, but I, I'm a big learner off experience. You know what I mean? So it may have, but, you know, I had a lot of times, like, in school where... I could have been left back. And then every time my mom told me, like, yo, if you don't step up your grades, you're going to get left back. I will bust my ass and do everything I had to do so I could pass the next year. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's a weird way. But maybe if I would have had, you know, one of those situations early on when I got to high school, I would have been a little bit better prepared. I really don't think that, you know, New York school system, and this is just for me. This is not for everybody else because a lot of people excelled in it. But for how I was living and we we bounced around. It wasn't nothing bad because right. every time we moved, we moved to a better place until we got into the shelter system. Right. Um, and even from that, my mom got through that and got us into a better situation. Um, I think that if, if I would have had like some sense of urgency, then I could have you know, done what I had to do. So your mom was like, "You got to get a job. You're not yeah. gonna, not she, just gonna sit at home." Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was like, "Yo, you gotta, you gotta do something." You know what I mean? She, she was just like, you know, you can't just. You, you have to be something with yourself. I didn't have one of those mothers that was like, yo, if you don't go to college, then you're not going to be anything. And you're not like, I'm not going to have a son that doesn't go to college. She was like, yo, listen, find what's going to be best for you. Mm -hmm. 
and do that and I'm going to help you. Right. You know what I mean? So she supported me in that room. And by the way, college is not for everybody. It's, like, it's really not. Yeah. I mean, school, school in its totality. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like I think that school is an amazing tool. I think that if you if you can go to school and you have the patience to do what you have to do and get your degree and you have a plan, mm-hmm. then you got something. But if you're just going because somebody else wants you to go and you don't and, and that's not really what you want to do, you're slipping yeah. like on another level because you're going to be lost. Right. You know like, I mean? Yeah. I mean. And when I and when I did ask before, like mm-hmm. if you had any thought as to like what you would do as a, as a ninth grader, like yeah. my thought as a ninth grader, I'm, I'm I might have thought that I was going to be like you know a center fielder for the Mets, you right. know, like it's it wasn't like it was fully formed yet, yeah. but like there was some hope that like down the line something was going to happen. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I was just I was so focused on what I was going to do, and right. you know that's not like right, how right, life right, works. Right. But, yeah. I, but I didn't know that at the time, right. you know. Absolutely. One of the things for me was like what was crazy is that the neighborhood that I moved into was a really bad neighborhood so I was really young and I was watching a lot of kids that was my age going to prison I was seeing them die you know and, and I, I just didn't have any hope like it was one point in time I had a I, I went to an alternative school and I had a conversation with a with a um, guidance counselor and she asked me what I think I see myself at uh, 21 and I was 16 and I was like I don't even think I'm gonna make it to 21 and it wasn't because of all the things I was doing it just was like the environment that I was in it was bad, man. Like, it, it was really bad. Like, I moved to the east side of Harlem, and, yeah. and that shit was no joke. It was really no joke. So I, I didn't, like I said, I couldn't even see that far. Like, I, I couldn't see that far because I didn't, I couldn't see that for other people. It was like nobody where I was from, they were excelling in anything. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It was like everybody from where I was from, they was either in the streets selling crack or they were going to school, and then they would cut, they would eventually stop going to school and start selling crack. Right. You know what I mean? So I was like, damn, like, what am I going to be? You right. know what I mean? I didn't really, I, I, I believe that I would only be what I could see at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So even, like, getting a job, by the way, like, seems yeah. like, you know, a, a, a huge step forward. Like, right, like, right. You're, you're like, wow, like, I've actually, like, done this. Was so, there? so what, um, first of all, did you wear a suit to your interview? I didn't wear a suit, but I did wear slacks. I wore slacks, a white a white uh, button-up shirt and a tie and shoes. Mm. I had braids at the time. I made sure that my mom braided my hair. You know what I mean? Neatly straight to the back. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, these are all the tools that my mom instilled in me as a job developer because her job was to wake up in the same community and teach these kids how to conduct themselves. Yeah. So she'd be damned if I went on to a, a, a job interview and I had Jordans on. Right, right, yeah, right, 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 right. Especially right. in a New York town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, so right. So did you, did you know the job you would be applying for? Um, I knew it was for um, something working. In, my mom was like, it's a mailroom position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I knew it was something like that. I didn't know what the mailroom entailed. You mm-hmm. know, I just knew it was a job, mm-hmm. you know. And how'd the interview go? It went good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I conducted, like I said, I knew how to speak. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really knew how to speak. Um, I never had a problem with talking. My mom, ever since I was a child, still to this day, if I hold the door for somebody, I'll, I'll um, say, if they say thank you, I'll say you're welcome. If somebody asks me, do I want something, I'll say no thank you. You know what I mean? It's just, I, my family's West Indian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they were strict West Indians too. So they instilled a lot of, you know, mannerism in me and with my grandma, how I'm supposed to speak to people and how I conduct myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that always stayed with me. So, so I conducted myself pretty good on an interview. So you get the job. I get the job. And you're working at, is this is this the one at 825 Worldwide yeah, Plaza? Yeah, yes, at Worldwide Plaza, man. I Like, it, it kind of blew my mind. You know, my first day there, my very first day there, I will never forget. It was the 20th floor. My route was the 20th floor, the 23rd, and the 26th. And 
like you know, they put you with a person that tells you how to do the job, introduces, yeah, hey, this the new guy's gonna be delivering your mail. I'm not gonna be on your floor no more. Cool. So I'm walking around and they're like, yeah, this is the royalty department. And I'm like, cool. And then we <laughs> make this one turn and I just see all red, right? Yeah. I'm like, what's all this red here for? Like, and it was um Murder Inc. Like yeah. I see like you know uh. Every CD it has a person's name on it, so I see Irv Gotti and Chris Gotti and BJ oh, for the offices, for the yeah, offices, yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. the offices. And I'm like, I'm 17. I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? And they're like, this is where the record labels are. At. And I'm like, nah. Like, I'm. The crazy thing was I had seen backstage a few months prior, yo. And when I saw the movie backstage, I vowed I was like, yo, I'm getting the music. That's when I knew that I wanted to be in music. When I saw the movie backstage, I went. Me and my friends, we all went and watched it. And I just, I was amazed. You know what I mean? I was amazed. I was like, yo, I got to get into this some way, somehow. Yeah. And then, like, a few months later, um, stars just aligned for me. That's how I get my start. Like, if, honestly, maybe if you hadn't dropped out of school mm -hmm. and your mother hadn't been, like, get a job and yeah. you hadn't gone to this specific one yeah. and hadn't gotten that job, right. you wouldn't have ended up on that floor. No, it that would have never happened. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in destiny. Like, and... I say it now, like, I feel like I got lucky, you know what I mean, in a lot of senses, because what's the odds of a, a, a kid that can't figure his life out? A lot of my friends are doing wrong and, and getting prison sentences, and at this time, I'm like, yo, like, I don't really want to go crazy in the streets because I don't want to go to prison. I know how much it's going to hurt my mother, and I don't want to die, and I'm like, yo, I need something, something, and I see this movie, and I see this movie, and I'm just like, wow, I'm going to find a way, and then, like, about five to six months later, I get a job delivering mail to these same people I was just watching on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. But the other yeah. half of luck, obviously, is putting in that work. Right, absolutely. And you had to, like, shine above, like, anybody else that would be your competition or right. find a way in. Right, I had to find a way in. So how'd you do that? I mean, what, what, what helped me out was, like, I was the youngest guy in the mail room. Like, everybody I was around, they were, like, in their 20s, and I was, you know, uh, like, 17. So, you know, people who are in the music industry, they're just a little bit... These guys are in their 20s, and they're millionaires running the offices, so they're might be a little bit more receptive to a kid as opposed to a guy that's their same age trying to come to them which not necessarily is is very accurate but this is just from my own experiences you know what i mean like it's kind of hard to get a, um an internship you know what i mean when you reach a certain age i, I wouldn't say it's, it's hard but it's like people have the wrong idea about shit and a guy who's making millions is gonna look at you like that's from the streets like man you 27 trying to get a job in here like what right. you doing like you know what i mean right, like because right. you're, you're not gonna just get a job you're gonna start at the lowest part of the totem pole and you got to work your way up and a lot of people are not going to be willing to do the shit that a 17 year old is going to do right. you know what i mean for me i just was like yo i'll do anything you know what i mean like i, I just wanted to do be accessible as possible be transparent as possible listen and learn as much and and do whatever was required of me you know what i mean so that was the biggest thing for me how, how did you like transition from being in the mailroom to actually being, getting in the office yeah i got fired okay. <laughs> <laughs> i got fired man. Easy answer. yeah I, I i got fired i mean what happened was uh i would help um people after work like people need help with shipping yeah. you know what i mean at this time we don't have mp3s and you know online shipping is not a big thing i mean online shopping is not a big thing so people aren't buying you know their music off of itunes or anything they're buying cds they're buying shirts from actual fan clubs they're um submitting letters and stuff to 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 get to artists so i would just ask like yo um omielli omielli mcintosh she ran jay-z's fan club fan fam 
um, her and Dara McIntosh. And, you know, they like me because I was the cool kid, <laughs> always delivering their mail on time, always, you know, laughing and joking with them. So I was just like, yo, when I get off of work, can I come up and can I help? So I would do that, you know, maybe two days a week, three days a week, mm-hmm. whatever they needed. Like, I would just stay. And then um, once I got fired... You know, um, it, it's 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 kind of funny to transition in between there. I had got a, a job at a sneaker store, um, around my block, and it was one point in time. This guy that I was working for, his name was Frank. He asked me to clean some windows. Right, I had never done this. He asked me to clean some windows, and this was my breaking point for going to ask for an internship. <laughs> I had got down right to clean the windows, and you know, like um, they have like these mirrors where you could see like the sne- you see the yeah, sneakers yeah, you put yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yo, I had the Windex in my hand. It was some real movie shit. Like, yeah, I had yeah. the Windex in my hand. I had paper towel. And I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, nah, man. <laughs> I was like, nah. This is not going to be me. You know what I mean? So I called um, Shari Bryant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shari Bryant. I called, and I was like, yo, you know, can I come in? Whatever y'all need from me. I'll just come intern. Like, whatever you need well, me to do. how did you know Shari? I delivered mail to Shari as well. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, um, Shari's from she Harlem. Because she was at Def Jam. Yeah, she, yeah. she was at, well, she was in at Def Jam at the time. She was at Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she was um, Carlene Balin. Yep. Carlene, you know, said I could buy two tickets. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Carlene Balin at the time, she was a Jay Damon Biggs assistant, and Shari was Carlene's assistant. Shari was going to school simultaneously as working at Rockefeller. So she was juggling a lot too. And I think Shari might be a year or two younger than me. Right. I'm oh, sorry, Shari, to push your age out and all that. But, um, you know, uh, Shari was working there and you know she's from Harlem we had a good rapport because the same thing applied for her whatever they needed from Mill mm. I helped them you know what I mean so they just knew that they could th- that was one thing I learned by having regular jobs you right. know what I mean having a rapport with the people and just just being available you know what I mean like when you whatever type of job you got to do is customer service uh, to some sort of extent because you're dealing with some sort of exchange with somebody so I just made sure that I was accessible at all times so I hit Shari like yo could I come to the office she's like yeah you know what I mean let's figure it out and, and she, she was like, where's my mail? Right, right. <laughs> no, at the time, you know what's crazy? The mail room, like, the first two months of me interning, the mail room was better than that. Like, <laughs> interning was tough, man. Like, it was it was really tough because nobody's taking you serious. Not saying that Shari didn't, but it's like, I came in there because I wanted to work in, I didn't know what A&R was anything. I wanted to work in music in some sort of capacity. And all I'm being told is, yo, Beanie Siegel just ordered some oxtails. Go downstairs and get them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yo, young Chris and Neef, they uh they they want the new Jordans. We're gonna give you the money, go to Foot Lock and get them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything. Uh, that's all you're doing? That right. is a big responsibility. <laughs> right. I'm right. sure I, that Beanie Siegel is not happy when his oxtails don't show up. I know, <laughs> but I'm like, damn man, if I wanted to d- deliver food, I'd have became a waiter. You know right. what I mean? Like that's just the, the standpoint I'm looking at it from. But you kept you kept at it. I kept at it, man, because yeah. it was like, you know, I just looked at it like this, right? Like I said, man, like I I I'm not glorifying it by no means, but I come from a rough place. And I just knew what the alternative was. You know what I mean? I, I knew that, you know, if I wasn't in a position to, to go deliver some mail, I could be delivering something else. Mm-hmm. And that could put me in a whole world of trouble. Right. So I just was like, yo, I'll do whatever. Like, my mom was happy. You know what I mean? My mom was, I wasn't even making no money at the time. Right. I was kind of, the funny thing was, <laughs> I was getting unemployment, right? Yeah. So I'm getting unemployment. And so that's what kind of held me over because I was getting unemployment and I wasn't on any type of payroll situation from Rockefeller. So I'm surviving off my unemployment at the time. Shouts to that job that fired you. Right, absolutely. (laughs) Shouts to them that fired me because unemployment held me down for a bit. You know what I mean? So like the unemployment was holding me down. I had some money in my pocket. So now are you doing like a real, like you're going into the office at 10 o'clock? Yeah, I'm going into the office at 10 o'clock. Um... I'm I'm doing what's told to me, but I'm I'm not really getting any results at this point. 
I'm not, for, for you for me for yeah. what I want to do for BD you know Siegel I mean? you are like, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. not even cause he ain't like me man like that, really yeah it's yo the world is crazy man life is crazy because that's one of the, one of my closest friends you know what I mean that's my brother and um when I first met him he wasn't too fond of me you know what I mean <laughs> cause I was nosy I was nosy. I wanted to know what was going on. I was I was eager. I was like, yo, like, what y'all doing today? Like, can I come through? Like, yeah. can, y'all shooting a video? Y'all need me to come through? Like, what y'all need me to do? Y'all need me to get food for the video? Right, like, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to do whatever y- they wanted. Right. You know what I mean? Because I was, like, trying to find my ways in. Of course. You know? So, so what are you doing from 10 o'clock to whenever you, you left work? Honestly, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in Shari's cubicle. I'm sitting in Shari's cubicle, and... I'm doing nothing, like, I'm just, I'm making copies of stuff, um, taking stuff, like, from, taking, like, into office envelopes from Rockefeller down to Def Jam, like, mm-hmm. nothing, like, I'm just yeah, you had a card. doing nothing. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> I didn't have a card at that time. But you're showing your face. I'm showing my face. Which is also I'm very, showing my face every day. Important. I mean, with, yeah. I, one day, I, I had found a paper with, like, contact numbers on it and I was just a fan of the Philly guys you know what I mean like I kind of gravitated towards them and I just felt like they needed more help so I seen Bean's mother's name on a piece of paper and I just called her I called her one day I just picked it up I called I said hey how you doing Miss Michelle this is Wayno you know I I work in the office Um, I just wanted to know you know if if you need if you guys need help with the you know with the young guns anybody because I just feel like I could help them out some sort of way and she vented to like she was like I'm happy somebody called (laughs) you know what I mean she's like yeah because Rockefeller they could be doing more and da 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 and I was like wow so she was like this was my way in this was one of my ways in she was like you know what go to the studio She's like, it's okay. I tell him that you. I said you could go. Yeah. So I went to the studio, and then I started coming to the studio. And this then people. Baseline. This is baseline. Yeah. So people are looking at me like, how the fuck did this intern get <laughs> in the studio? You know what I mean? And I'm like, hey man, I just like I'm yeah. just chilling. Yeah. yeah. But then I got kicked out a few times. You know what I mean? Like I got kicked out. They just was like, yo, what is he doing here? It got back to Shari. Shari came to me one day. Like I love Shari. Yeah. She came to me one day. And she was like, Wayne, you can't go to the studio because Jay and Dame is complaining now. <laughs> she was like, yo, they want to know why is my intern in the studio and you're not doing anything. You're just sitting around. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And I didn't listen and I went back. Whoa. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so Shari is um, a wonderful person who very, is very. short in stature. right? Like <laughs> she's, a, she's a short woman. But like, if oh, you're no, her she intern, don't play. She don't play. Think about that. I was older than Shari, mm. and she still stepped in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yo, stop it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you're not gonna keep doing this because now it's it's kind of getting her in trouble. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of getting her in trouble, and I understood that. But I mean, the, the, what happened that was really good in that sense was I started to build a relationship with the young guns. Mm-hmm. We were all the same age. You know what I mean? So I started to build a relationship with them. And they started asking me to come to the studio. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what kind of helped me with them. And they were asking you to come to the studio for what? Because like but you're not, you're not, you're just I'm not already doing. I'm just doing whatever they need now. It's yeah. like it's going from me doing whatever Shari needs to now they like, all right, you go do this for us. Like yeah. it's like I became like kind of like their their assistant in a right. sense. You know what I mean? So I'm just doing whatever they need as far as like yo. Can you find me some beats? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, can you find me some beats? And that's when I started talking to people in the AR offices. Like, I would go in the hip hop, you know, Kanyambo, his yeah. his his um his office, and it would just be CDs sitting there, Kanye West, like just beats, just blaze. And these are beats that nobody's using. Right. So I would just take the beats and bring them back to the studio, like, yo, I found this, I found this, <laughs> I found that. Or I would just find like just random producers. Like everybody would mail their CDs. Like, you know, of course now. 
if you have a, a person of stature's email, you just bombard them with emails. Yeah. At that time, they were just sending in mail. So I would just go through the mail and just put the CD in, listen to beats. If I found somebody dope, I'd take them and take it to the studio. So that's A&R work, and I had no idea. You know what I mean? So State Property comes into Rockefeller, right. and uh, they get branded as a unit. Right. Um, and the Young Guns are probably low on the totem pole, right? Very, yeah. So what is their recording schedule like? What is their they opportunity no, like? They have no schedule. It's like they were allowed to use it. Like if they're in baseline, mm -hmm. they're allowed to use the studio. Like if, if somebody allowed, like let's say Jay's in the studio, right? Mm -hmm. And Jay may record or he may not record. He might be sitting there and be like, yo, y'all go ahead and do something. You know what I mean? Or if just like Jay would be in one in the A room working, just blazes in the B room working, yeah. like they would might go over by Just Blaze and be like, "Yo, what y'all, what you doing?" And, and here play them something and be like, "Yo, you know, if we got some time, get on it, you know." But they did, had no schedule. They, there was nothing there for them because, I mean, the Young Guns they, they they grew from nothing to something. But at this time, they had no record. You know what I mean? They had no record. It was no plan f to put them out. Freeway at this time, Freeway's taking off. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. at this time, Freeway's taking off. He's the guy. So it's like the, the young guns are just sitting back watching that. Right. You know? So 1-900 Hustler. 1-900 Hustler. I mean, that, that was a little bit earlier, Earlier, but... Free at last? No, no. This is way before Free at okay, last. Okay. This is Philadelphia Freeway. This oh, is yeah. When, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah this Philadelphia is when Freeway, Freeway is working on his debut. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm in a studio with them. I'm in a studio when Free does what we do before oh. Jay and Beans gets on it. You know what I mean? Um, Man. Like, like we're just around, like, like like we're just around everything. Like we had this this camera, yo. Nobody knows where this camera's at. Somebody stole it out of baseline, but it was this camera with footage of everything they had ever done. Like I mean, from the the moment that Freeway recorded what we do to when Just was making the beat, everything. Oh my yo, god! Yo, if you have that camera, <laughs> holla at us, man. Yeah, know, yeah. You get a lot we'll, of paper off yeah, of that camera. We will yo, pay top pay. dollar, top dollar, <laughs> and we'll give you a discount at Sweet Chick. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so you're hanging out with the Young Guns. Yeah. Uh, you're at Baseline all the time. All the time. Now I'm in there all the time. What's your relationship with Just Blaze? Just Blaze. I mean, at this time, I didn't really have a relationship with him because he was just. Just, just would tell you he's just like just the weird guy in the corner, like you know what I mean. Like he's just he's just doing beats, you know what I mean. Like Justice just doing beats all the time. Um, Kanye, Kanye's stopping in from time to time, but at this time, Kanye's trying to get people to 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 uh, listen to him rap. Right, right. What but did you think of Kanye's early rap? I thought he was dope. Yo, the first time I ever met Kanye, right, it was around uh, when a, a little bit after the Blueprint came out, mm -hmm. and they had this spread of him in the Source magazine with like. Him, like he's standing like this. He has like yep. all the time. So I yeah, see him yeah. walking through the office one day. So I'm like, yo, you Kanye, right? Like, you, I was like, you do the beats. He was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I rap too. <laughs> yo, he rapped for me for like eight minutes. And I was like, well, I don't know what he thinks <laughs> I can do, but I thought he was dope. Like, yeah. I really thought he was Did dope. Did you clap? <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> clap. I just was sitting there like, wow. Like, I, I just was. I was kind of thrown off that Kanye would rap for me, but at the time, he was just so eager to let anybody hear him rap. Because right, right. we were on the 29th floor, and Def Jam had the 28th and the 27th. So you would go to the 28th floor to just go uh, down to my... I, I might be going to bring something to Leo's office, like a, a piece of mail or something, yeah. and... Kanye's on the 28th floor doing the same thing in somebody's office. Then you go to 28th, 27th floor and he buy, he's by Plain Pat's uh, cubicle yeah. rapping for Plain Pat. You know what I mean? Or rapping for whoever Plain Pat had by his cubicle. So like he was just really eager. You know but, what I mean? But it's the same as what you were doing just in a yeah, different way. Yeah, just in a like, different way. Any like, opportunity you can anything, get, yo. you do it. And I mean, and at this time, like yo, Kanye had like 70% of college dropout done. Yeah. Like he had all falls down. He had like 
did he have Jesus Walks? I don't think he had Jesus Walks at the time, but he had a lot of those records. And I mean, we would hear him, me and my man Ramsey and Travis, like he would come in the office with us and play us these records. This before he even signs the Rockefeller. And we're like, yo, like, what is anybody doing? Yeah. But we didn't have, we were kids. Like, none of us had the power to sign him. Right. You know what I mean? But he ended up getting signed. You know what I mean? Um, did you end up playing any Kanye beats for Young Guns? Yeah. Yo, let me tell you the funny thing about that. <laughs> At this time, I'm still trying to do some sort of management, right? Mm -hmm. So I got this little dude from from my hood that he's a battle rapper, but he can rap. Yeah. So I'm taking beats from the from the office, Kanye <laughs> beats, and giving them to him, like for real, yo. Like I gave what was that that record, yo? Dipset Forever, right? Yeah. Dipset Forever. Before Cameron had that, this dude that I was managing, his name was Great One, right? It was crazy. I seen him today before I came over here. Whoa. Just randomly seen him. He had a whole song to that beat. Like, cause my whole thing was like, yo, I'm gonna get him Rockefeller, but watch, I'm gonna give me an artist and I'm gonna get him signed somewhere. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so I was always thinking, I, I, I didn't understand until now how ahead I was thinking, but I was really thinking ahead at that yeah. time. When you were rating hip hop's, uh, uh, you know, beats, CDs, yeah. all mm -hmm. the CDs that were in his office, yeah. did he know that you were doing that or were you just like very like, covertly no he didn't know because he was never there <laughs> like hip-hop is like a myth yo it's you like know. like he's like a genie yo like, like he's you a only unicorn yo yeah. he's really yeah. a unicorn like it's like when you see him you can't believe it when right. you see him you know what i mean and w ironically one of my one of hip-hop's closest friends is one of my close friends he's from harlem as well mm -hmm. so hip-hop at this time his son is a baby yeah like his son is little like running because his mom worked at def jam right correct. erica you yeah. know what i mean so I used to see his son all the time. Like me, me and hip is good, but I we'd never seen hip hop. <laughs> so I just had free range to go in his office and do whatever I wanted because he was never there. I actually cleaned up his office because it was just stuff <laughs> all over the place. And I was like, yo, one day I was like, I'm gonna just clean this shit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because nobody was just taking. Yo, he's got to thank you. <laughs> oh man, nah, I gotta thank him, man. That guy's taught me so much. I can't, man. What was your What were your interactions with Dame when he wasn't like angry that you were showing up at? Uh... Oh man, yo, Dame. I tell people all the time, like Dame, that was with currency, that whole DD one seven two thing. That's nice, Dame. Yeah, yeah. Like that's nice. <laughs> like that, he's good. That that's good, Dame. I had Bizarro, Dame. Like, you know what I mean? Like Dame was was he was crazy, but I think you know everybody that's great got to be a little bit crazy. Like Kanye said, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yo, yeah, for Name real. Genius that ain't crazy, yeah. right, man? Like even me, I think I got a little bit of crazy ways with me, but it, it may not be to that degree. But Dame, Dame was just really passionate, man. Mm -hmm. Like Dame will tell you in a minute, like I'm not a music guy, right? And I mean, but he, he would put so many different things in play. Like he, he put together like a um a coffee table book of like photo shoots, and I didn't get it. But now when you look up, it's like, that's yeah. all people do coffee table books on. Right. I mean, so, he had magazines. He, he had, had magazines. America magazine. Yeah. Yo, he was he was really innovative. And I think, you know, one of the good things is that he had Jay as a leverage piece. So it's like mm -hmm. all the things that Jay might not be into, mm -hmm. he would just take that and be like, man, I'm doing this. And I'm going to do it to, to the level I want to do it on. Right. So when Jay wasn't fucking with pro kids, Dame got yeah. all the pro kids. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, rightfully so. It was like, th that's one thing I learned at Rockefeller. It was like, we, we never had to go outside for anything. That's why when you look at a lot of the uh, artists that no, no longer on Rockefeller, you know, because it basically doesn't exist anymore, mm -hmm. um, they kind of fell in a disarray because they had so much given to them. You know what I mean? I don't even think they understand. Right. You never understand what you got till it's gone. Right. So they didn't understand, like, the magnitude of the opportunities that they're getting. It's like, yo, dog, like, Beanie Siegel had 
a cartoon. Do you know who was doing this cartoon? This brother named Carl Jones, who cre- who was the executive producer on the Boondocks right. and created Black Dynamite. Yeah. So yeah. when you think like, damn, it's like that cartoon never materialized. Look who was working on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they didn't. I don't really think they understood what they were doing, and and that's why they kind of fell. You know, it, it kind of fell away. They it did. You yeah. Know? So if Beanie's mother is not exactly thrilled with how Rockefeller was handling mm-hmm. him. How do the Young Guns and their families feel oh, about where Oh, the Young they Guns, are? man, listen. Chris and Neef, I love y'all, man. Like, <laughs> But for them, it was a really frustrating time. You know, it was, it was frustrating for me trying to figure out who I'm going to be as an a It was frustrating for them because they were getting, like, their their friends was getting into some real serious problems. Like, they had this one friend, you know, Chris always raps about named L.A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, L.A. had got murdered. And when L.A. got murdered, um... They had like Jay and them had them come up to New York and just stay in New York. Like he had them living in New York because they he didn't want to see that was their closest guy. Like L.A. was a dude that he was around Jay. He was around Dame and Beans and Kanye and all these people. He's a street dude. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. Something happened to him and, and he and he passed. But they didn't want that for them. So Jay like Jay really took Neef. Neef was really a loner, you know what I mean? Like, Neef was a really uh, a loner, and Jay was, you know, the more accessible one. I mean, Chris was Chris, the more yeah. accessible one. So Jay took, like, Chris really under the wing. That's how they made um, the record Nigga Please mm-hmm. on the Blueprint 2 mm-hmm. and Never Take Me Alive. Never Take Me Alive on Great the Young Guns album. It was actually for Blueprint 2. It was just Chris, it was just Chris and, and Jay on it. And, um... But the the reason why they're rapping about the things that they're rapping, like um, Jay is rapping about losing big and right. Chris is rapping about losing L.A. It's because that happened all at that time. So he had him up there. And then, you know, Jay never used the record. So when we did the Young Guns album, we needed a, a verse from Jay. Jay was like, y'all can have Never Take Me Alive. And then we just put Neef on it. Yeah. Great mm-hmm. song. Yeah. So how does Can't Stop, Won't Stop come to be? Oh, man. Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Uh, six Figure Digger. Six Figure Digger that did a lot of Cameron stuff, um, a lot of stuff on SDE, a lot of Cameron's early on stuff. Um, Gino, Gino Sims yeah. was managing him. Gino Sims is ASAP Ferg's manager. Right. Um, I met Gino on an A&R conference when I was like 19, really, really young, going in D.C. And me, Gino kind of like put me on the wing. And I had a really good relationship with Gino because he was mentoring me and he was already in the game. So he was managing um, Six Figure Digger and EZLP. So they were always giving us beats. Hmm. And um, me and Ramsey, we were just going through beats one day in the office. Ramsey Francois, he was like, he's the guy, if you look on every Rockefeller album, he was handling like all the administrative work. He had a crazy <laughs> load of work, you know what I mean? But me and Ramsey were going through beats in the office one day, and we found Can't Stop, Won't Stop, and a few others, and we took it to the studio. And they did that record playing around like the, I, I can't I can't remember who gave them the can't stop won't stop. Somebody gave that to them like yo you should say this yeah. And they just did it in their own words. But <clears throat> excuse me, we gave them that record. And the, the way that the record started rolling, uh, me and the Young Guns we just had a weekend to do nothing, mm-hmm. and we had Quad Studios at this time. So at this time like they're, they're kind of because now Kanye signed, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's kind of building. Because he's doing mixtapes and stuff. Yep. You know, the Diplomats, they're in baseline. Then some days they're not. Jay is working. You know what I mean? I think at the time, Jay might have been... He's always working. Like, right. even when he says he's not working, he's always working. Right. But he's, like, dibbling and dabbling. So we had to kind of facilitate another room for ourselves, which was Quad. Mm-hmm. So we did a mixtape, which was The Youngest in Charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I came up with the name for The Youngest in Charge. I picked a lot of the beats. Um... 
and we put Can't Stop, Won't Stop on it, I they linked me with DJ Enough. And me and DJ Enough came up, like, we sat down, we, we did the artwork together. I'm 19 years old. We did the artwork together. Like, he decided, he was like, yo, this Can't Stop, Won't Stop record is something. He's like, I'm about to start playing this every day. Like, nobody gave him a dime for that. He just really liked the record. And DJ Enough went on and just went full-fledged with the record. And then everybody else started picking it up. A couple months late, I mean, a couple weeks later, uh, it's getting like 3,000 spins per week. <laughs> like, Can't Stop, Won't Stop is one of the biggest records in Rockefeller history. So crazy. And it's not, like, the biggest records in Rockefeller rest history is not even Jay-Z record. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's Old Boy by Cameron, yeah. Rock the Mic, and Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Those are some of the biggest records. So, um, it catches on fire. It catches on fire. We had a budget to do the um, State Property uh, Chain Gang album. Yeah. We did that. We put it on there. The, 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 chain, the, the State Property albums were like, basically a tool to break the state property artists and then from that they would get a situation for them to come out mm -hmm. so that's why if you look at the first state property album freeways all over it then you right. look at the next one it's the young guns all over it mm -hmm. and their albums come out right after brilliant you know yeah. the third one it was supposed to be oskino and sparks but oskino couldn't stay out of trouble right <laughs> i mean yeah. but um they ended up getting nominated for a grammy on it yeah so can you talk about what that 3,000 spins means to artists like that, like in terms of like bookings. Yeah, like oh man, listen, when, here's the thing. I always say this, right? Like you look at a guy like Chance the Rapper, right? Mm. Everybody, a lot of people know who Chance the Rapper is, but he doesn't get radio play. Like he doesn't get radio play like... He's starting to. He's starting to now. Yeah. But he doesn't get radio play like a Fetty Wap would. And he has a, if you ask me, I think he has a bigger fan base, like a, a broader fan base that's going to spend than a Fetty Wap. Not to take anything away from Fetty Wap, but um, if he had a radio on record all the time, it would just help. You know what I mean? Like I, I watched this interview one time and Rich Homie Kwan was like, yo, when I was growing up, we ain't have nothing, but we had a radio. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's a lot of people that still to this day, they might not. They can't afford an iPhone, and, and they don't know anything about iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. But they listen to terrestrial radio, mm -hmm. and that's how they engage with their artists. That's how they learn, you know. So, um, when with back to your point with the Young Guns at that time, that really opened up the door for them because this was a, a time when nobody knew who they were. They were in a movie, and now this record comes and everybody knows who they are. So they're getting booked for shows. We are on the Rock the Mic tour, performing it. We were somewhere and seen Lil Wayne like at a show and he knew Can't Stop, Won't Stop word for word and the Young Guns had never met him. <laughs> I mean, this was before he was Wayne Wayne. Yeah, right, but, right. You know, we, we still looked at him like, yo, that's Lil Wayne. Like, you know what I mean? And it, it's it's just insane. So like a, a record being on radio helps out tremendously. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. You're like, I don't care about the radio. Yeah, you, you should. <laughs> to an extent, you should. What was the video for that? For that record, did you we did it in like a school. Okay. It was like it was oh, like right. a school. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the crazy thing about the Young Guns was that wasn't them. You know right. what I mean? Like oh, they, they're street guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're street guys, and can't stop, won't stop. It but, popped off, but that wasn't who they were as artists. But then to like you know appeal to like the one hundred six and Park crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have because have them. What was the what was the uh, the next single where they shot it up in the um, the Aspens and all that? Yeah. No, oh, no better love. That came like a yeah. year later, but oh, that was yeah. that was for their debut album. Gotcha. You know what I mean? No yeah. better love. Yeah, we flipped like the Luther Vandross sample. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was done by my man Chad West. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he did a lot of the the Philly artist stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, like see at that time you had things like. Uh, 106 in Park 
where you could break an artist there. Right. You know what I mean? You could take an artist there and put them in a countdown amongst all these other artists. And even if they never reach number one, they're still in a conversation. Sure. Was the was 106 in Park rigged? I don't know, yo. <laughs> like, you know what's crazy? I always thought it was, it was man. It was, it was. <laughs> I thought it was to some sort yeah. of extent, but um, <laughs> also I don't not know. not located on 106 in Park. Like, it, it actually was on 106 in Park. Originally yeah. it was. It yeah. Originally it was, but I'm going to keep it 100 minutes. Like, I'm from that neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I was like, yo, they got one. Like, it's really on 106 in Park. Like, that's not no sweet place. You right. know what I mean? So it's like, you can't just have artists. And at that time, like, New York is a place where artists is getting robbed. Like, you can't just come to New York. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people is getting robbed. Things is happening to them. So it was kind of dangerous to put a place there where right. it's a hub where dudes could just sit there like, oh, yeah, we're going to wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait on all the kids who are coming just to stand online. Right. <laughs> yeah, steal lunch money. Wait, right, right, right. Uh, so back to back to um, baseline and while you're with the gun with with uh, young guns, mm-hmm. what is your relationship with the Harlem contingent, like the diplomats? Because yeah. you are from Harlem, right? It was there any sort of like crossover where you're like, yo, I yeah, live yo, here. Let me like- tell you, yo, you know what's so crazy about that? A lot of people don't know this. I actually worked for the diplomats for a really small amount of time. Um, I went to me, me and Jewels went to the same junior high school. Oh, crazy! Yeah, but well, it, it was kind of separated. Um, it's actually not too far from where you guys are. You know what I mean? But um, we want to go right now. Yeah, yeah, we could go. I, in, you know what I mean? I, Yo, they, I, we, I, I came from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here. Maybe like five years ago. By the way, I saw Jewels just like driving for around. Real? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, oh. well, me, I didn't know Jewels. Like I didn't know him in junior high school. But see, I'm from the east side. Jewels is from uptown. Mm-hmm. Cam is from uptown. I didn't really know. Um, Jim, I didn't know Jim's them. Jim's from the east side, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from the east, but yeah, from the west. Like, he's on the borderline. I think he's from Forced and Taft, like, around that area. And that's the borderline. Like, mm-hmm. Fifth Avenue, it separates the two. Right. So, um, crazy thing about that is a lot of people don't know this. Um, when I first started working for Rockefeller and they put me on payroll, right? Yeah. Like, I'm getting $200 a week, right? Yep. $200 a week. I'm getting that yeah. plus my unemployment because I'm on a stipend, <laughs> no, right? Listen, so, I was going to do an air horn noise, but... Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pull up. Yo, I got 400. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so one day, Cameron... Yo, it's crazy. Like, Cam and Jim, it looked like they had been arguing or something. So they walking in the Rockefeller. Probably were. Yeah. Right. So I'm standing there. So Cameron walks up to me. He's like, yo, yo, shorty, yo. Yo, you work here? I was like, yeah. He's like, how much they pay you a week? I was like, $200 a week. He's like, come work for Diplomats. I'll give you 400 <laughs> Wow. So I was like, what? He's like, yeah, take my number, right? So he gives me his number. At this time, I mean, I'm still kind of early on with the young guns. I'm figuring out the Rockefeller system, everything. So Cameron's like, yo, take my number. So he takes my number. I mean, I take his number or whatever. And I come back to the hood. I'm like, yo, Cam, like, come home with me is out. Yeah. So I'm wild. I'm like, yo, Cam gave me his number. Da, da. I'm like, I'm like, yo, look, look, I'm about to call him. I'm about to call him. So I call him. I was like, he answers the phone. I'm like, yo, Cam, this the guy you gave me his number. I was like, yo, you serious about hiring me? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna have somebody call you. I'm like, cool. He never calls me. Yeah, right? yeah. But what ends up happening is this comes back around to my mom, right? So I knew a lot of older dudes in in the, in the hood in Harlem. So it's this one, this, this older dude I used to be with, big money guy, you know what I mean? Um, him and this other guy that Cam knew. Mm-hmm. The guy that Cam knew, when he came home from prison, my mom helped him get a job. So he, like, loved me, you know what I mean? Like, on a little brother time. Yeah. Like, yo, like, yo, Wayne, this is before I even, I didn't even know he knew Cam. So he's just asking me, like, what's going on with you? I tell him, like, yo, Cam said he'd give me a job. He calls Cam, but like, I hadn't spoke to Cam in a while, so he calls Cam, like, yo, you told this kid named Wayno you was gonna give him a job. Cam was like, yeah, 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 I remember Shorty. He's like, yo, he like, look out for him. His mom looked out for me when I came home. So he like, all right, I got him, right? Man. Still, I didn't hear from Cam for a minute. <laughs> yeah. But one day, 
when I was getting on a plane to go to DC at that A&R conference I was telling you I'm at Gino at, somebody calls me like, yo, um, this is such and such. I work for Cameron. He wants you to come uh, to this address on Monday. You're going to start working for diplomats. Whoa. Right? Which it ended up being in his crib. He had it like, <laughs> it was all Cam had me doing. Let me tell you what Cam had me doing. All he had me doing was burning diplomat, um, the, the mixtape, the yeah. with him and Jim on the front of it, like yeah. this, like the, the paid in full scene. Yeah. He had me burning those CDs all day. Oh my, yo. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got, I kind of grew frustrated with that. And I ended up, but, at the time that's Duke the, the God's job like, yeah. Yeah, I mean Duke they was doing all types of stuff yeah. but what I say is Cameron is a real stand up dude because um, I got tired of doing it right mm -hmm. I stopped going yeah. right and at this time Cam had got locked up mm -hmm. you know what I mean for the uh, a situation he had like really early on and I hadn't seen him in a while. So one day I see him in the Rockefeller office and I'm like, yo, Cam, man, like I never got paid. He was like, you never got paid? I was like, nah. He was like, how much How much you, you earned? I was like, I worked for two weeks. You told me 400 a week. Yeah. He went in his pocket and peeled off $800 and gave it to me. That's awesome. Like that. So Cam is a stand-up dude for that for sure. Cam man. is the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> He's a stand-up dude Cam for that. You know so, so, okay. So Young Guns, mm -hmm. uh, when do you find out that... Or First of all, how... Easy was it for for Dame and everyone in charge there mm -hmm. to be like, okay, cool, you're the point person now, mm -hmm. and we're gonna defer to you for their whole career. Well, I can't take uh, all credit for mm -hmm. that. It was a guy named Big Face Gary. Yep. Yep. Um, Big yeah, Big Face Gary. Like, Eric loves Big Face Gary. Well, I, yeah. I love I love the idea of him. We never met him, but Yo. every time we talk to like hip hop or Lenny or whatever. Yo, Big Face Gary, dog. Big Face Gary was one of Dame's friends. He came home. And Dame gave him a job, and he threw him into doing A and R. So, um, Big Face Gary, he kind of took me under his hip hop's old office ended up becoming Big Face Gary's office, mm -hmm. and he took me under wing. He was the one that started putting. He, he told Sherry, "Yo, I'm taking him." <laughs> like once he started seeing me at the office and all that, I mean, in the studio, he needed like he needed somebody that. Cause he didn't want to deal with them, like you know what I mean, with the young guns and sure, all that. Yeah. <laughs> so he would put me like, "Yo, you stay with them." So Big Face Gary, he was one of the people that he gave me a big shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like him, um, Lenny S, of course. Like mm -hmm. Lenny, um, G. Robeson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Al Branch, mm -hmm. um, Hip Hop. All of these dudes who like are big guys in the game. I was under their tutelage for like for years, just learning from them. Yeah. And it's a lot of things that I learned. I didn't even know what the hell I was learning. I just was subconsciously it was in me. Though. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I started to use these tools later on. But they taught me everything, man. But Big Face Gary, he was one of the guys. So uh, Big Face Gary for us mm -hmm. is just like, I, I always relate it to like random mixtape tracks that were like, so we, we yeah. just traveled back from D.C. this weekend, mm -hmm. right? And like, so we put, you know, all of our hip hop songs on random. Mm -hmm. And like, you'll get like a random mixtape track that's Sunny. Remember Sunny from Hot 97? From yeah. Oh, yeah. Sunny. Hell and, yeah. And she's now like a, a chef on yeah, the food she network. Yeah, she was chefing then too. Yeah. But she was, she was like, um, she, yeah. uh, she was I just like what song she, was, she was doing like, like street sweeper stuff. Where did I get this shit? Yeah, she's and like, shout like, out to Big Face Gary. Right. And yeah. it's like, Big Face Gary. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it still comes up like to this day. We yeah. were just talking about it yesterday. Yeah. But okay. Big Face Gary, Wait, so, that's my guy. So you were around, uh, obviously, Young Guns. Uh, I want to know, I want to know what it was like to be around the Young Guns and for Jay-Z to start using Young Chris's flow. <laughs> and like, whether that was like a big deal within the camp or yeah. even to you. Honestly, this is how it went, right? Like, the whole thing, it's like this, right? Like like I said, you're going to do whatever is around. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say Jay took his flow. Jay, 
Chris was the first guy that Jay like co-signed other than Bleak. I mean, he co-signed Beans and all that, but he's only 16. Like he was really, really, really excited about young Chris. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, like, you know, he took him under the wing. With the Philly dudes, like when you hang out with them, you'll start saying their word. Like you'll just start singing their slang because it's new. It sounds fun. It's like when they said, it's like, yo, this is cool. So he would just, when he see them, he just address them a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. No different than you start hanging with Haitians and you'd be like, stop, I say, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I call everybody just, my Zoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, well, we see Zoe Dolls. We'd be like, what's good, Zoe? Like, you know what I mean? But um, he would just like start implementing like their, their, uh, their slang. Right into it and one thing about chris is that chris just yo chris was just really he's still dope to mm-hmm. this day chris don't even know how dope he is you know what i mean he's still really dope and i think jay just seen something in him a lot of people always look at it like this like oh he took chris's flow and chris never got anything listen chris from rockefeller records was able to buy his mother a house he was able to do things for his daughter and his family that we, if he would have been like the same circumstances of where I'm from, if he would have just stayed there, he might have not even made it that far. So it was an even exchange, but I don't think Jay took it. Jay just took elements of it and used it. And Chris took shit from him. Mm-hmm. If you listen to a criminal background, right? I mean, you also took stuff from Hip Hop's office. So, you know, everybody is taking it's, stuff. Yeah. We're all taking stuff. It's rock la familia. <laughs> if you can't take stuff from each other, what are we doing? Yeah, it's rock la familia, but not rob la familia. Um, if you listen to, um, Chris on criminal background. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he alluded to that. Like, it's a lot of songs where they talk about each other. All of them. He's talking about Jay talks about people. That's an all all fair conversation. (laughs) But like, it's a lot of different things, you know, where he alludes to that. But he said, I don't take it personal. Reverse it when they share with you. That's what Chris Mm -hmm. said about the Jay Z situation. He said that on the um on the Chain Gang album. Mm -hmm. So. Same thing. He may have took little things, but he did the same thing with Jay. You know yeah, what I mean? It's a lot yeah. of stuff he took from him too. Sure. You know what I mean, so when when Rockefeller looks like it's like you know humming real, like on right. every every engine is humming, mm-hmm. and then things start to sort of not, not be humming. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So when the when the split happens, are you still there? And how does that affect you personally? Yeah. Yo, what's crazy is I mean. I had look. I got fired from Rockefeller. Okay. Right. I ended up getting fired from Rockefeller for some some BS. Um, you went to the studio too much. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Yeah, yeah. But um, even when I got fired, they brought me back. Mm-hmm. When, when they brought me back, I was I became Bean's personal assistant slash point person. So everything Beanie Siegel had to go through me. Okay. Right. Um, I didn't know what was happening because it was in divisions. It was like okay, I would see Jim and them. Like when I be in the, in the hood in Harlem, I see Jim and them. You know, they Rockefeller was never really a thing for them anyway. You right. know what I mean? So they didn't care. They was the <laughs> diplomats. They didn't care. Uh, I never got it from from them. Um from the from the the young guns and all of that, I never got it from them either. You know, um and the and the Philly guys, I never got it from them. Even from Dame. Like it was one point in time where where uh Beans was living up here. He was on house arrest at Dame's crib. Yeah. And I was staying there every day. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Do you know our friend Sophia? Sophia, 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 Sophia Rossi. Rossi. I know that name. She was Dame's assistant. Hell yeah, I remember Sophia. And so she stayed at Dame's the place crib, yeah. while free and being. Yeah, and yeah. Was- hell yeah, I remember <laughs> Sophia. Hell yeah, I remember her. And and that's what I'm saying. It's like so I was there every day. I, we would go there. This is around like Jay has already started the 4040 Club. So it's like we would still go see Jay. Like, I mean, 
it was a point in time where Jay stopped coming to the office. You know what I mean? Because everybody that Dame was firing, Jay would hire the next day. Like, <laughs> Jay fired Carleen. I mean, I mean, Dame, Dame fired yeah. Carleen. Jay hired her. Um, Dame fired John Manilli. Jay hired him. Jay, I mean, Dame fired Lenny S. Jay hired him. It's like, so I was kind of seeing a sort of separation, but I didn't think anything of it. And at this time, I'm a young dude. I could care less. Like, it, 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 I'm thinking this is going to last forever. You know what I mean? I'm thinking this is going to last forever. And it did. Spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> Yo, it's so funny because with Dave, Dave has this thing where he always says, well, if, had I known that, like, yeah. if I'd have known that, you know what I mean? But it, it really hurt me because at this time, like I said, with Rockefeller, I never really facilitated any relationships with myself outside of Rockefeller. So all these people that's calling me from Def Jam, you know, for Beanie Siegel, for the Young Guns, all of that, when everything breaks up, I don't have any connections, really. You know what I mean? All I had is Rockefeller, and it doesn't exist anymore. You had all the names on the sheet. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I wish the names meant something at that time, man, because maybe I'd have been all right. But it really affected me because, you know, just back to what I was saying before, growing as a young man, you know, I started getting tattoos on my hands, my neck. You know, I, I didn't really care about having a regular job because of the way, you know, the music industry is 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 set up. It's the only it's, it's one of the only things where young black men could really be who they are, you know, unfiltered and make tons of money and be able to take care of themselves and their family. So for me, I thought that I was going to be able to do that. And it's like, nah, back to the drawing board. You know what I mean? So it, it, it hurt me in that regard because I had to go, I had to figure it out. It was like really disheartening for me to be drinking Cristal and... Uh, Armadale. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Well, Armadale, yeah, yeah Armadale, Cristal. Yeah, Cristal, like, Literally, like, I mean, I'm 19, 20 years old. I get to hang around Beyonce and, you know what I mean, and, and all these different people and I got to go back and get a regular job. You were living backstage. Like, that was... I was, that's... Yeah, yeah I got exactly what I wanted. Wishing, yeah. You know what I mean? But... You know that setback. You know that setback. When when setbacks happen, there's either one or two things that's gonna that's gonna happen. You're either gonna succumb to it and let it take you over, or you're gonna fight through it. Yeah. And for me, you know, I succ- I had succumbed to it for for a bit, and I was down. And you know, my mom was like, "Yo, like shit, that was their money, not yours. You still got to do what you got to do." So I had got you know I got another job. Ironically, back in the mailroom mm-hmm. at a place not so cool. You know what I mean? Which was what? Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> uh, man. Free, free Viagra. You can flip that. <laughs> yo, I wish I had. Yo, now see, now you're making me think differently. I could have I been on that time. Had I known that. Had I known, you know what I mean? Shout out to Dave. But um, at, at this time, I got a bunch of tattoos. Like, you know, people are looking at me different. You know what I mean? I'm getting calls. Yo, could you wear shirts to cover up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Your tattoos and like, it, it just was really hard, man. It was hard and, you know, I, I I went and worked every regular job I could do after that. You know what I mean? I, I was trying to do a lot of different things. Um, It led me to working for Channel 11. You know what I mean? So I started working for Channel 11 in the mailroom there and doing office services, which meant I was just changing lights. That was my only skill. Like, I had no skill other than mailroom. I, you know, I spent... Well, the only skill that that they could see that they could see, right. yeah. That, right. The only skill I had on paper for a resume was I deliver mail. You know what I mean? See, and, a lot of people think this is like a very like comedic podcast, but yeah. it ends up being a very inspirational podcast. Yeah, so, right. yeah. So me saying the only skill you can see, that's right, 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 right. Inspirational. Yeah, yeah. That you know that that's what I started doing again and and again. I found myself at a point where I'm like, 
This is not me. Like I, you know, I mean, Young Chris is still signed to because once Rockefeller fell apart, they still had Rockefeller, but it was no more staff. They gave everybody a pink slip. Yeah. Once Jay took over as a president of Dev Jam, you know, they gave everybody a pink slip. And it's a very Cameron move. <laughs> you get it. Pink right, right. Yeah. See, back to the comedy. You guys. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. But um, you know, Rockefeller ended up just being a name. And, you know, I was still helping young Chris out. You know what I mean? Because that's my brother. So we're trying to figure it out all over again. We don't know. Like I said, they came from a really pacified situation where everybody woke up. It's like people that wake up and work at Foot Locker every day, every day, every day. And then they're like, Foot Locker is no more longer Foot Locker. Payless is taking over. Right. So the people who are used to Foot Locker protocol, Foot Locker, how they do releases, now you got to buy by Payless's rules. You know what I mean? Which I don't mean to talk about Def Jam like that. <laughs> but that's that's how, kind of how it went. <laughs> so n- none of the people who were at Def Jam at the time were invested in the Young Guns because they didn't see them since the time they was 15 and they signed there growing to be 21 and putting out their debut album and having success. That's why you can see the difference in... The uh, brothers from another release and Bleak's five hundred four release, five three four release, yeah. and all of that, and the the free at last, all the releases never met up to the stature of the prior Rockefeller releases because the people weren't invested mm-hmm. in the brand. Yeah, you know what I mean, Jay was Jay. Once they got Jay, they didn't care about nobody else. Right, you know what I mean. So um, at this time, I'm still trying to figure it out, and you know, I get laid off from one job, and then I get rehired. You know, when I got laid off, I took uh, I speak about this a lot. Like I took. The little bit of money I had in the pension, which what the hell was that? It was nothing. Um, I took that money and I invested in myself. I bought myself a MacBook. Um, I bought an LLC, which was Cool Mentality Clothing. Um, I started trying to do streetwear. You know what I mean? I started getting into that because I started finding a real like liking for streetwear. And I was like, you know, if I'm not going to be doing music, I want to do something where I could work in entertainment, get product on, on artists, do dope collabs with them. This is the time with um, Diamond Supply. Yeah. Taking off, you know what I mean, and I'm watching all the success they're having with the currencies and the Wiz and yeah. all of that. Shout out to my man Brock Marciano. Yeah, yeah. You know, Brock was a guy that he was at Diamond and like he gave me a lot of pointers on cool mentality and just what I needed to do. And I did those and it didn't work for me. Again, you know what I mean. So I got laid off again, and then after this, I was like, yo, I gotta get back in music, man. Like I gotta if, if I'm gonna do cool mentality. I got to get into music, make some money off of music, and put that through cool mentality. Mm-hmm. That was my mindset. I was like, I kept trying to go away from what I was good at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, do you have a do you have a kid at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. another mouth to feed. And, yeah. 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 And think of. And right. Yo, I had, a, I had a moment. Yo, it's crazy. I had a moment, like, when my son was born, he might have been, like, six or seven months. And I looked at him, like, one, one day he was asleep. Yo, all this be like movie shit. Like yeah, I be like, yeah. man, I can write this in a movie. Yeah. And I looked at him and I, I broke down crying. And the reason why I broke down crying was because I was like, damn, I never got my diploma. I should. I started having second guesses. Like, damn, I should have went to school. I should have did because I'm like, I can't offer my son shit. If I die today, he ain't got nothing. His mother ain't got nothing. They just got. He just got my name. You know what I mean? And I was like, I, it's nothing I can. I just looked at it like, damn, like now I'm a father. My life is no longer about me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but he, my, my son was the driving force of me saying I got to do something because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be like, just black people have this thing where they think that you, once you become a parent, that your life is over. You can't do anything cool anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, you got a kid. You can't hang out. You can't take a trip to nowhere. Or you can't, why can't I do that? And then have the experience and then bring my kid there. So that's the, the kind of father I wanted to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just was like, you know what? I want to do some cool stuff with my son, you know what I mean, my kid one day. I, I got to figure this out, you know what I mean? And then that led me to to, to getting back into music and 
one of my one of my clo- another one of my close friends. I was trying to help out, you know, all the Philly guys, and you know, this no disrespect to him, but he's like, yo, you got to get away from them because as long as you're trying to do, they can't see what you see. You know what I mean? As long as you're trying to keep doing that, you're never gonna go because they they're kind of stuck where they were, and it's it's hard to break somebody out of that mentality of the year they had the most success. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, yo, I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. yeah. Tell us how you find Dave East. How Man, he comes into your life. The way I find Dave East is uh, I, I, I had a few other artists that I was trying to work. They didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person that told me I should do management was my uh, my producer, Buddha. You know, uh, Buddha from Buddha and Grands. You know what I mean? At the time, he had already produced, from, uh, produced for 50 Cent, <coughs> a few people. And he asked me, could I manage him? Him and then uh, my man Hovain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Hovain was telling me I should do management. So you know, I'm at this time I'm doing anything I could do to make a couple of dollars because I got laid off from my job. You know, now I gotta you know I I got you know a kid. I got another kid on the way. I'm trying to figure things out for myself. So uh, I'm hosting shows at SOBs, making a little couple hundred dollars. You know what I mean per show. I didn't want to do it, but I'm like shit. I gotta do whatever I can yeah. to pay a bill. So I'm doing that, and my 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 man Jamie <laughs> that I crossed back in the day, yeah. right? No, Jamie he played D1 ball against Dave, him and my man G Coles, and they grew up against him. You know what I mean? Playing ball when they was kids, and they was like, "Yo, you ever heard of this kid Dave? He from 1199." And I was like, "Nah, like you know, I'm older than them, so I don't really know kids like that that uh, are younger than me. Of course, cause I don't hang with them unless they know Jamie. Or yeah, you're crossing yeah, unless they know yeah. Jamie. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm crossing, right? So um. They were like, yo, yeah, we played ball against him, but he rapped. They like, yo, he's dope. Like, he's, he's, he could spit. So I'm hosting a show, me and my man Puma from Black Ink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see Dave, Dave East on the paper. I, uh, I, I, I'm I like, yo, who is he? They like, the tall kid, right? Of course. Like, So I go over to him, like, yo, my name Wayno. He's like, oh, word, I know who you are. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, I'm going to introduce you out on the show. Come out, do your thing. You know what I mean? So that was might have been like my third or fourth show I had hosted because I was, I was a little bit seasoned with it. Um... Who was headlining, by the way? It was nobody. It was like it was like, it was no headliner. It was like one of those new New York showcases yep. mm-hmm. where they just group all the new New York people into mm-hmm. the same shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which we totally stay away from now because right. it kind of boxes you in. You totally, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can I say that for all New York artists? Do not box yourself into just New York. Oh my god! You know what I mean, like Young Thug is not just an Atlanta guy. Right? You know no, he's I mean? a New York guy. <laughs> <laughs> Young Thug is bringing back New York. He's bringing back New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, but he is right. <laughs> but um, so. You know, he went on and he and and they rap and I come from Beanie Siegel and Jay and the young guns, rappers, everybody rapped and I just was like, Wow, like he's he's saying the same things that other people said, but it's the way he's saying them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, this kid is ill, like, you know what I mean? So when he got off the stage, you know, we chopped it up, him and um his man Bully. Bully was uh managing him at the time and you know, Bully, like we we just chopped it up like yo I was like yo whatever y'all like whatever help y'all need I'm not even thinking about managing him I'm just like yo whatever help y'all need y'all got me so me and Dave exchanged numbers um and he asked me to mentor him and I thought that was pretty courageous for like he was 22 23 when I met him I thought that was pretty ill for a kid to be you know that age you know hip hop is a lot of arrogance they think like especially like I right. say, young Everybody's black like, men, we think we don't need help yeah. with nothing right. I don't need your help I don't need nobody you know what I mean I don't need no label I don't need this so. He came he came to me like, yo, I need a mentor. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm down. You know what I, mean? I think that's so important, by the way, because because you're right. Like people do want to be stubborn. People just want to like think that they can do it all themselves. Yeah. 
But it's not about like just going to someone and asking that person directly for a job. Right. It's asking for advice because you never know where that could take you. And right. maybe they know someone who could use your skills right, or do right. something that's not that person. Right, absolutely. And I mean, the thing for me with Dave, at the time I was a brand ambassador for Reebok. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And for me, everybody that I have to work with, I'm a family guy. So you're going to have to be around my kids. You're going to have to be around my moms, my, everybody. So... Dave would, you know, I was giving him sneakers. I was seeding him through Reebok. So it'd be days where I wasn't around. I'd be like, yo, go to my mom's crib. And my mom met him. My mom was like, yo, I love him. Yeah. Like, he's dope. Because, yo, Beanie Siegel has gone in my mom's crib. The Young Guns, all of them have gone. Invited, gone right? Invited. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Invited, you know what I mean? Not Beanie Siegel, Desert Eagle. You know I mean? <laughs> but now they've all gone to my mom's crib. You know what I mean? So he got my mom's stamp of approval. Like, yo, I mess with him. Like, he's a cool dude. Like, I like him. And, you know, for a year, we just talked. You know what I mean? Like, I befriended him. I, I I would go chill with him wherever he was at. I would go pull up on him and, you know, we go get something to eat. Like, we built as men. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and that's what made me, like, really believe in him more more than his music. Because as he's, he's just like, yo, Wayne, I just want to, I want people to know I think I'm good. You know what I mean? He's like, I think I'm dope. And I want people to know that. And, like, a, maybe a year and a half of me knowing him, I just was like, yo. You took the plunge. Right. I just was like, yo, what do I have to lose? Yeah. I ain't got shit. He ain't got shit. <laughs> I was like, yo, what you think about me managing you? You know what I mean? And he was like, you serious? Like, when I told him that, he was like, you serious? I was like, yeah, like, I want to manage you. He was like, all right, I'm down. Like, what's good? <laughs> I, yo, and, and then he texted me after, like, yo, let's go. Like, he was hype about it. So from there, we started working. And, mm-hmm. and look at you now. Hey, man. Yo, it's, <laughs> boy, I tell you, like, them setbacks, man. Like, I tell people all the time, like, a lot of people always say to me, Yo, what would you say for a person like me trying to be in your shoes? I can't say that you could be in my shoes. Like you have to, you have to craft those own shoes and get your own laces and put your socks on and put them on yourself because you got to pass the mom test. You got to, yo. Yeah. Not not only that, I mean, you got to go through. Like I've I've went through a lot, man. It, it's times where I sat in the crib and I wouldn't even come outside because I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I was like, what am I gonna do? I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to reach my thirties and be a guy like. I was like, yo, I, I've come too far to quit. I come, I don't care if it's going to, I will die trying to get this. Because I've come too far to go back. Like, I, I thought, like, how my son going to look at me? You know what I mean? If, if I tell him he could be whatever he want, and I and I don't be what I want. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't take the steps to become who I want to be. How is he going to look at me? Like, he could be like, damn, like, I ain't listening to you. Like, you ain't even, that advice you giving me, you ain't even take for yourself. Because mm-hmm. he's going to be like me. So... For me, I just was like, yo, I told my producer, if we could get one guy that would just kind of understand, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, then, you know, we'd be out of here. And that one guy was Dave. You know what I mean? You did it for Dave. You did it for Cam. You did it for... <laughs> for the you, culture, you, B. Yeah, you did yeah. it from the heart. <laughs> but now you know what? Your son can look at you and be like... I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And all I need from you is just some uh, some tennises from uh... right, some tennises, <laughs> man. And my yo, he's lit, man. Like my yo, somebody sends me a video one day. Of my son, a boogie's at some some uh, some Jordan event, and my son is there rapping word for word with a book. Like he he reaps the benefits of what it is I do. You know what I mean? My children, like you know what I mean? I only have one kid, but like I, I don't have only one kid, but mm-hmm. like my children, they reap the benefits of what it is I do. My family reaps the benefits of what I do, and for me. It was like this. It was like, I just want to be dope. Like, I was watching, like, Kevin Lyles, Irv Gotti, Steve Stout, Dame Dash, Chris Lighty, 
all of these dudes that are behind the scenes, I got a chance to like to see them at one point or another. And all I'm doing is everything they showed me I could do. You know what I mean? Like that's why I credited Dame with, without any of them dudes. Like I've never met Steve Stout. I've met Kevin Lowes a lot of times. You know what I mean? I met Leo Cohen. All all of them. Julie Grimwall. Yeah. All of these people that are behind the scenes that move and shake. You know, if it wasn't for them, down to the people that are my peers, a Shari Bryan, a Steve Carlos, a Young Sav. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All of these guys, like, they showed me what I could do. Sycamore. Sycamore. Yeah, that's another uh, guy. Amir Abbasi. Yeah, Amir, man, Amir named my son. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really? Like, yeah, yeah, he named my son. Like, you know, with me, I'm, I'm Muslim. So, you know, Amir is a, is a guy that's taught me a lot of different things about Islam. And he, he gave me the book that had my son's name in it. So that's why I credit him for naming my son. You know what I mean? And... and one thing I love about hip hop is, is is a tremendous it's a fraternity it's a tremendous fraternity and all of us are pieces on it whether it's you know the guy who has the one record one year yo it, it it's gonna be ill to see the people who will one hit wonders do like a, a show twenty years from now we gonna remember <laughs> yeah. these times yeah you know what I mean so I think we're we're all like big pieces on it and it's like in order to make it in it man you gotta just believe in yourself and the people that instill in you a lot of people seen things in me that I couldn't see in myself and that's what helped me out. Yeah. yeah, it's your favorite thing about hip hop. My favorite thing about hip hop is that he never goes to his office, and so I can see all those CDs. That's exactly right. Yo, <laughs> right, right, Wayno, right. thanks so much. Man, thank you for having me. Yeah. On everything. Oh man, thank you. Man. Appreciate y'all yeah, for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's a wrap. Yeah. Oh man, that was dope. <laughs> yeah. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of A Waste of Time with The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us, if people want to find out more about A Waste of Time with The Real. If people want to go through our whole catalog on iTunes, where can they go? You can always go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time, or you can go to iTunes, search for a waste of time, but it's the real. We are also on full screen, fullscreen.com slash it's the real. Watch all of our episodes there. Yeah, you got a full month free. If you go right now and subscribe, you get to watch all of our episodes a week earlier than when they come out on SoundCloud and everywhere else. Yes, yes. And you can also find us on Instagram, it's the real. You can find us on Twitter, it's the real. You can find us on Facebook, it's the real. You can also rate, subscribe, comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, yeah, anywhere yeah. in the internet. You know, we had this nice run where people were commenting a lot. We sort of stalled there. If people can go and comment, comment again, I don't know. Just let what, us know how iTunes? we're doing on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Well, people comment on SoundCloud a lot. Yeah, we can always use more. Always. Let's go. Jeff, this podcast will not survive unless more people tell more people who tell more people. Yeah, Ponzi scheming. Do you have more people to tell? I want to tell the good people at KitKat. At KitKat? Yeah, they sent us a bunch of KitKats in the mail. But this was before Chance the Rapper did a KitKat commercial. Yes. <laughs> this we, is, were, we were early on the KitKat train This is as of a month ago. This is, by the way, uh, Halloween season, so shout out to KitKat for real. Shout for out real. to our dentist. Yeah, there we go. Shout out to... So, KitKat. Yeah, KitKat, they sent us a bunch of KitKats in the mail. They were a little melted. And they, they came in all like weird shapes, but you wanna know what? Still delicious, hard to eat, but still delicious. They turned into a giant Kit Kat, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Our refrigerator is a it's bigger than a big Kit Kat. It's like a, a Yeah, because it congealed like into a, like weird shapes because they were all melted. And Kit-Kat. so I had to eat one of them with a knife and fork. But you wanna know what? It's like a still chisel. Good. Like yeah. a chisel. I would like to shout out our good friend. Justin Fleischer, known as The Fleisch. The Fleisch. Wow. Justin is on his way to California. The young man is moving west. 
Shout out to him. He was a big part of our breakfast meetings that we did every month with our friends Alex and Leah and Matt. He will be missed, but he'll be back very soon and pretty often. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest place he'll be missed is in the bald guy Alex to tomorrow's office where we can always find him. Anyway, Jeff. Well, actually, before we like really, really close out. Yeah. If anybody besides Kit Kat wants to send us stuff. It's always like, you know... Are we, um, we're accepting oh. candy. accepting candy. We're accepting um, money. Yep. You can always send money our way. Uh, probably not through the mail because that's illegal. Is it? Uh, yeah, if you send money, I believe that's illegal. Then how does Aunt Jane send us money for, like, birthdays and stuff? By check, Jeff. I don't know I don't know what kind of cash you're getting in the mail, but that it is... It is not illegal. It, it is Can illegal. someone please tell me out there if it's illegal to send cash through the mail? I don't think that's true. It is It is true. If anyone... Send us Dave Matthews bands. What's that? Dave Matthews bands. What's that? Dave Matthews bands. What's that? SoundCloud.com slash it's the real. Wow. Check that out as soon as possible. Jeff, want to do this again next week? Yeah. What's that? That's the show. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs>